It's another edition of the Clear with Contact podcast live from the Tyler Hughes Motorsports Studios. Here's your host, Tyler Hughes and Cody Jordan. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Clear with Contact episode four. We are glad to be back in the Tyler Hughes Motorsports Studios. We got a lot to unpack today. Everything from the Cars Tour to Smart Mods at Caraway. We got Hickory. We got uh, dirt racing, too. We got dirt racing. I can't wait. And we got Motor Mile. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, motor Mile. Not oh, man. Less don't, than don't 10 cars? Don't crap on Motor okay. Mile. I'm sorry. Sorry, Mike Looney. Oh, man. Man, Motor Mile's a great track. I just... I, I wish we could see more car count down yeah, it's, there. Yeah, it's a great, it's an awesome track. It's just, they'd never see it. And especially now, I mean, with Cars Tour starting up. So, yeah, not going to see a lot of cars. Yeah, unfortunately. But, man, what you would you do this past week and weekend? I worked this week. This weekend, we're putting the bathroom together. I, I'm actually just watching the woman do it. So yeah. <laughs> You're not helping her out? <laughs> um, not the best that I can, probably, but. Today we picked a lot of stuff out, so starting to look good. I got you. Is she more of the creative kind of hands-on person? Yeah, she's really good when it comes to colors and knowing what what color tile to put in with this color wall. And I'm just like, just give me three options, and I'm gonna pick the best one. Yeah, you're more of the opinions. I, I I'm gonna be the same way. Yeah, you guys are getting ready to really get creative. So yeah, we're hopefully getting ready to build a house here within the next year, and my. I guess my part in this whole thing is trying to give my best opinion on the layout. That's where I have the most opinion. But as far as, you know, like colors and accents and types of tile, like I'm just going to leave that up to Kara. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan, she's she's really good at that kind of stuff. So I know sometimes I'm, I'm kind of annoying because I can't give that, you know, great opinion. And I could probably try a little harder, but she's doing a great job with it. So I'm just going to let her keep going with it. There you go. Well, this past week... Uh, I ended up, I was wrong in episode two. Boy, I, were you. <laughs> I leave tomorrow to go to Sonoma. So last Monday, I was at the shop of Copeland Motorsports, and we ended up loading up the trailer and uh, getting that thing shipped out to Sonoma. On Tuesday, I went down to Justin Martz's shop, one of my clients, and helped them get their car straight for uh, testing at Dominion. And then uh, I ended up testing on Thursday with Mason Bailey down at Dominion Raceway. Friday, ended up working in the shop, pulling down Connor Waddell's Limited. He, he raced that thing yet? No, no. We went down to Southern National this past weekend and did some testing. He was supposed to make his debut on Sunday in the Charger Division, but ended up getting rained out. I wasn't able to make the race anyway just because I leave tomorrow. It would have been a you know a late drive back, yeah. and I wouldn't. I couldn't do all that uh, just with how early I got to leave for Sonoma tomorrow morning. So I went down with him Saturday and tested, and he was pretty good. We, You know, the Charger division, you you don't get four tires, uh, four new tires. So I stopped by Mason Bailey shop on the way down. I grabbed a set of wheels and tires and another set of tires from his shop that were basically just scuffs. The tires we started out on, man, they were – he got a – 
he got a decent lap time out of it, and then all of a sudden it looked like the car just fell off a cliff and it was super loose. And finally, like I, I tried to adjust on it for him, and we went one way and then went the other. And Connor just finally looked at me. And he's like, "Man, I don't think it's the setup anymore. Like I think the setup's fine. Like I think you just need to put a set of tires on this thing." So right there towards the end, within the last 30 minutes, we put on a set of tires, and I had tightened the car up way too much trying to get up up underneath of him and ended up he was really tight but he got back to the lap time that he was at before so had i think i just left the car alone and i think the car would have been quick the way it was but unfortunately can't find that out until you throw a different set of tires on it but i I really don't like i I was hesitant to throw tires on just because i know they're going to be on scuffs anyway so it's i wanted him to feel what it's like to run on old junky stuff yeah and he seems Every time I've hung out with him, he seems like he's very informative of what he wants in the race car. Is that true? He's very informative. And, I mean, for his age. Yeah, how old is he? He's 13. Wow. So, I mean, for his age, he gives great feedback. It's it's a lot of fun working with him. And, you know, the kid's like 13 going on 25, man. He talks to you like an adult. So, Well, that's good because then when it comes race time and if he can give that feedback, that's going to be so beneficial for him, not just in limiteds, but when he starts moving up to late model stocks and wherever his future takes him. Absolutely. And a crew chief is only good as their driver's feedback. And the the better feedback you can give, the better adjustments that the crew chief can make. So I think in years to come, as he progresses, he's, he's going to do a great job. But a lot of fun this past week. Got to go to the racetrack, you know, twice and got to work on a whole lot of different race cars this past week. So uh, ready to go out to Sonoma for the week, man. It's uh, it's going to be a little rainy out there. Tuesday and Wednesday, we got rain on our unload days, and we race on Sunday, and we catch a red eye back Sunday night into Monday. So next time you hear from us, it's I'm going to be wiping the sleepies out of my eyes on next Monday morning. So Well, at least you have wine out there. Uh, I hope we get to go do some wine tasting. That, I would really enjoy that if, if we got to go do that. But, you know, I know – the schedule's pretty busy and it might be hard to kind of get there so but anyway so we want to try something out we're going to do a new segment called bench racing so it's kind of where cody and i tell a few stories from the past i've already told cody what question i was going to ask him but i really don't know the answer to it because i i'm forgetful and i my memory is kind of cloudy unfortunately i don't remember the first time that you spotted for me you know, in a late model race as my primary spotter. I know the first time you spotted for me, or the first time you picked up a headset, actually, but I just don't remember the transition period that we had from when Pete Green was spotting for me until when you picked it up. And I'm really excited to hear this story and try to give my feedback on what race that was because I can remember races really well, but I don't remember those small details like that. So, Cody, what was the first race you took over for Pete for me? Uh, it was at Dominion. It was a Twin 60 night. Uh, pretty excited because that would have been the first time really I got to do a you know circle track because the first time was we were at New Jersey Motorsports Park for the K&N race. So this was a little easier. I got my eye on the whole track, so that was pretty cool. But, yeah, it was um, just a Twin 60 night. I can't even remember how we did, but, you know, you you were super competitive, and that was really fun to be up on the stand for, you know with somebody competitive being my first time where I'm not doing not a back marker and we're, we're racing for wins so that was pretty cool yeah absolutely the K&N race man it was a lot of fun because 
we showed up and we realized we needed two spotters up there. Luckily, when we went to Watkins Glen the first time, we had an abundance of spotters. I think it was like four or five guys out there. And going to New Jersey, we were a standalone event. So I looked at you and I was like, you want a spot? And you, you kind of looked at me with a deer in the headlights and you're like, well, I've never done it before. So uh, I guess I'll give it a shot. And I, I remember walking down to the carousel and telling you like what I needed and where you were going to stand and you were kind of eyeing it up. And you did a great job that day. I remember I remember the first thing I asked you, which I think took a lot of weight off your shoulders, was you and me call inside, outside, or left and right? And you were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, left and right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, do you remember whether that was 2018 or 2019? It had to be 2019 if it was a 2060 night. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was definitely 2019. I think I went to... I went to a lot of races in 18, yeah, that where I was just helping out on the crew. And then, yeah, 2019, I think, is when we you finally, finally put me on the perch. <laughs> was So, 2019, it, did you spot the first race? I don't think so. Gotcha. So, it was kind of midway was, through the season. Yeah, it was still early, but I don't think it was the first race. Yeah, I don't think you wanted to spot the first race anyway. <laughs> so, the first race, we had a bad, fast race car, and I remember we... We bolted on a set of tires for qualifying, and we just got a bad set. And the car just went really loose on me. And, I mean, we were top of the charts all day. We were blazing fast when we went and tested. And we just shit the bed. <laughs> and pissed me off so bad because we had such a good race car that night. And we just weren't able to capitalize on a win with some big guys there. I remember Bruce Anderson setting on the pole. That was pretty cool because I was like, man, where, the, where, where did Bruce come from? Yeah. Um, and I ended up coming down pit road cause the car was so bad and having everybody tighten it up. And I kind of think I made myself back up into the top six, just trying to salvage the night. Cause I knew it was a points night and we had like a green, white checkered restart and the transmission blew out on me and I got rear ended, destroyed the car pretty bad. But, but anyway, man, 2019 was a was a fun and interesting year we went head to head with doug barnes for that championship it was a rough one. Oh, it got gruesome <laughs> it got gruesome there towards the end man it uh so we got a win early in the year we actually swept twins one night and i do remember you were you were spotting me for that one yeah. i believe yep so then later and we kind of had like a dry spell and we had a lot of problems like there were times where like we just weren't able to run the the primary car in race two, and I get in the backup car, and the backup car was a badass car. We would come from the back and salvage the top three out of it or whatever. Got a couple wins there towards the end of the year. Uh, the best one being the the last race of the season. We started dead last just because if Doug fell out of the points that night uh, or fell out of the race early on and we started dead last and won it, we could have won the championship. Yeah. So that was a really cool race. Also because I had a special breast cancer awareness pain scheme for a woman named Erin Weiss who was battling breast cancer at the time. She had it really bad, and the uh, car turned out awesome. Uh, did the quarter panel numbers that not too many people are fond of. Yeah, man, started dead last, worked our way through the field. We got the second, and I really just bided my time and tried saving my tires with every pass. And once we had the last break and they dropped the green, Doug Barnes and I went head-to-head off the front row, and I took the lead off the outside. 
that was something that I was always proud of in my racing career was I was always really good on restarts, especially if someone gave me the top. And I drove around Doug, and, man, he he breathed down my neck for the last probably 30 to 40 laps of that race, whatever that last stint was, and I was running as hard as I could, and I know he was too. To come away with that win, that was awesome. It was actually the last win I've ever had in a late model. And if that's the one, if that will ever be the last win I have in a late model, I'll take it because yeah, that, that's just a cool way to win. Yeah, I think this is going to be fun. The last or the one I really remember was when we wrecked in the first race, had to bring out the backup car, and halfway through the race, we lost the hood. You remember that one? Oh, battling Jeff Oakley yeah. for the lead. Yeah, battling Jeff. And we ended up having to go through the field with the backup car, lost the hood, got out front, and Jeff hounded us on the bottom. We kept the top. And I remember just telling you, hold the door, hold the door. hold. I think that's all I said the yeah. entire last five laps. And we ended up winning that race. And then I think we got disqualified on Tuesday for the hood coming off or whatever. But so that uh, so that yeah, so we got DQ'd for that race, but it was kind of BS because like so the the rear glass was caving in on the car, and it ended up it it was actually more than the rear glass. Like most of the greenhouse caved in. I don't even know how it did it. It was just I don't know if it was the way the body was mounted or or what, but like. The entire back half of the greenhouse <laughs> caved in, and we we really were not trying to cave it in that bad. Yeah, <laughs> we were just we, trying we, to do. We, the <laughs> we were doing our due diligence, <laughs> but we weren't trying to do anything crazy. But I mean, the whole greenhouse caved in, and I remember them telling us like, "Oh, it's bad. Like, it's you got to get out. Like, if you win this race, like, you got to get out and jump on the roof," which is exactly what I did. <laughs> but what was dumb was like, I'm sitting there running down Jeff and the hood is flapping in the wind like to the point where like you could feel it oh yeah it would take me into the corner and like carry me high it would just like it would just make the car so inconsistent like one minute it would be fine and then the next minute it would snatch up and the car would just like get really tight on me just because the the hood was like a parachute dude and it all started because I was trying to move Jeff out of yeah, the way. Yeah. I was knocking the hood oh, pins out of it. <laughs> so a little bit of self-inflicted wound there, but um, finally the hood came off in total. Yeah, which is what I thought we were going to be disqualified for. Yeah. We did not. Yeah, no. <laughs> Some, someone online, I remember this comment, was like, oh, the uh, – the hood came off, so he was getting, like, forced cool induction <laughs> into the air cleaner. I'm like, that's a dumb comment because, I mean, the amount of arrow that you lose by the oh, by yeah. the, by the yeah. hood being gone is just, it's crazy. Those last five laps that we had after the hood flew off, I mean, it was literally just sack up and running as hard as you can yeah. and, and hold him tight. So That um, was, um, I don't get, you, you know this, I don't get very excited excited or um you know just just out there on the radio don't get loud don't get anything but those last five laps i had to like keep keep smacking myself in the face like okay you need to calm down oh well never mind here we go yeah that that was a really fun race i i always love give being given the opportunity to get up on the outside on a restart man i like i said earlier that that was always one place i felt like i excelled and on restarts and everything and man just I can't tell you how many times I beat Jeff Oakley on the outside on a restart after he had been leading the race for so long. 
I love disappointing that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. That was uh, definitely one of my fondest memories working with you. Yeah, fun times, man. Well, let's get in some uh, racing from this past weekend. Uh, like you said, Motor Mile, man, they only got nine cars. I hate to see that. I Motor Mile is a great facility. It is gorgeous out there. Unfortunately, I don't know what they need to do to pull in more cars, but... I think um, it's a lot of location problem. Yeah, but, you know, you see South Boston right down the road. I mean, not that far away, and guys not making the trip. I'm, I well, just, maybe that's a problem. You have South Boston. Yeah, you do. And, you know, South Boston is, you know, raking in a bunch of cars, but it. Uh, I'm just surprised that some of those guys from South Boston don't go down there and kind of make the trip to, to Motor Mile on some of their off weekends. Yeah, I feel like if they could get enough people with having different – you know, running the opposite weekend of South Boston, those guys could go if they could get enough people to make full fields. I mean, somebody from South Boston Motor Mile could go and contend for the, you know, the championship for the year. For the national. For the national, yeah. yeah I mean, that's that's definitely possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so two guys that did make the trip, one of them being Kyle Barnes from the, from the limited division, uh, he goes down there and actually picks up a win along with uh, James Sweeney. The other guy coming from south boston this past or yeah i guess this past week uh it was actually a local to motor mile it would be mike looney he sweeps both late model stock races both of these late model stock races look almost identical in the finishing order you had mike looney come away with the win kyle dudley come away second and Derek lancaster round out the top three we also had smart mods at caraway this past weekend uh the top five there was brandon ward he comes away with a win. Joey Coulter second, Bob Miesmer third, Tim Brown fourth, and Zach Brewer fifth. What a finish to that race, man. Eight to go. God, you have Brandon Ward just breathing down Joey Coulter's neck, and then it looked like Brandon definitely got into him coming off too, and it, I thought really Joey had it saved and then just continued to lose it, and Brandon ended up getting him. They went side by side, and I thought Joey was going to have a great opportunity to keep rolling on the outside, and he kind of blew it down in the down in turn one. Yeah, Brandon Ward came away with it. So a little bit of contact, but dude, it's it's short track racing. Got a little bit of clear with contact right there. Oh yeah. Going down to Hickory, they had 15 cars down there for the weekend. Doug Barnes, one of the people that did not show up. We talked about earlier on the show how I was down Southern National testing. Doug Barnes was actually down there practicing to to race at Southern National, and Southern National canceled on. Sunday. Doug Barnes missing possibly three races right there towards his national title points fund. Really surprised. I mean, I know I know he was in some controversy this a couple weeks ago with not being able to start the second race. But man, if he would have gone down to Hickory and started that race, they would have had a full car field. Yeah, both of them. Two two full car fields. Yeah. At a track that he has already swept both races in, he could have gone down there and got two full car field wins, and a lot of those to his uh, to his points fund. Yeah, and I'm really hoping for his case for the whole you know national championship case if, if that's what he's doing that he didn't do this because of ego. I knew he really didn't want to go back after what happened with the whole tire deal last time, but man, that's two races you just left on the table by not going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look. As racers, there's times where, you know, we get upset that it's something that a track did and, 
you know, we don't go back for a little bit. I mean, we did it with Dominion at one point. We were mad with some stuff that yeah. happened up there, but yeah. But he's going for a national title. Yeah, you got to kind of put that stuff behind you. Absolutely, and just, bigger picture. Yeah, if you're focused on that national title, you you got to go hunt the races regardless of what happens. I mean, just put it behind you and try to go get some wins. And especially when you like you said, you know, he's been winning there. It's not like he's been running top ten and and he's like, oh, screw that place. He he's been winning. He's proven that he can show up and that he's probably going to run top three if not win the damn thing. So. If you're missing out on those two races just out of spite or, you know, and I'm not saying that's what it was, but if that's what it was, that's bad. That's bad, bad. Yeah, and then on top of that, Southern National getting canceled because of rain, you know, that, that kind of sucks, and he had already kind of made his bed by trying to go down there and race. But, you know, I think if you're if you're going to be in this national title hunt, you got to be very versatile. you got to be able to run a track on Saturday and then if Southern National is racing on Sunday and it looks like they're going to have a full car field you got to be able to go all there three. change over your car unload and try to win all so three. Yep. yeah that, that's something that you you got to be able to do to win the national when it you know especially late in the year when points are getting tight from the guys out west and you know you guys you, you got guys like Peyton Sellers who you know is going to pick up wins and be a contender in the top three towards the end of the year yeah, I mean, what happens when they get to the end of the year and he's a, you know, one race behind? Well, he could have had two on Saturday night. Exactly. Well, you were down in Southern National. Did they look like they were going to have a full car field? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was hard to tell because of impending rain. Yeah, it was. And honestly, we were kind of fighting rain on Saturday, too. Uh, luckily enough, they extended practice 30 minutes because we did have a, a shower that came through and... um just wet the track long enough to where or wet the track enough to where we kind of had to sit the car out for a few minutes and wait for it to dry but it probably went off and on about three or four times so i would say they probably had about eight to nine cars down there i don't know what would have showed up on sunday had they actually raced yeah see that's what i mean i mean i think hickory's previous race they didn't have full car you know the night that the tire ordeal went down so maybe that's why he didn't go because he didn't think he was going to be but as you said earlier there was 15 cars well if doug barnes shows up that's, there, that's your, your full 16. car field yeah. right there that's that's a yeah that's that's a tough one well man we had the cars tour down at florence this past weekend Ooh, doggy man oh man was it a great race i start to finish you know from first to last i mean you had cars side by side good racing all the way through the field you could not have asked for a better race than a Florence no that was awesome uh second second race for the cars tour just put on a hell of a show again that was that was just wild it was 125 laps of just straight good race absolutely and we didn't see the saving out of this cars tour race that we did at the icebreaker it looked like the pace was a lot more amped up you had a lot of guys you know coming and going through the field uh one of them being brendan queen you know he started up front he qualified second for this race he fell outside the top five pretty early and then got on the outside and got back to the front you had guys like bryant barnhill bobby mccarty mini tyrell all come from deep in the field and roll the top very right. early to get their track position and it paid off for some of these guys yeah and what i noticed was like when i was watching you know barnhill and mini go up through there i'm like man i think they're wasting their tires you know and at the end they're still right there 
racing in the top five. I was I was really surprised. I think you did see like I think Brendan probably wasn't pushing super super hard in the beginning. Connor Hall wasn't pushing super hard. He dropped back a little bit. I think that may have been like a little bit of a save move. You know what I mean? Don't don't waste your stuff too much. If these guys want to go up forward, I know Deke McCaskill went straight to the front. Uh, he rolled the top, just was trying to get to the front, and I think he did waste his tires out. But you had to be a little smart about it. But I don't think it was like the icebreaker where it was super save mode for less the whole thing minus 30 laps. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you have guys, like, we saw all different types of strategy work out. I mean, you look at Ronnie Bassett and Jacob Hefner, who started deep in the field, stayed back and saved for a really long time, and then made their run really late and was able to come up and snag top fives. And then you had guys like Brendan Queen who stayed at the front of the field the entire time. And Carson Quapple, he made his way up decently early. Yeah. yeah all, feel- diff- all different strategies paying off towards the end of this race. Yeah, Carson actually was top five, I think, most of the race. I mean, yeah. he was he qualified decent, but, I mean, he just he didn't fall back. He didn't jump to the front. He just he bought his time, and then as, as soon as it was, you know, it was almost like three-quarters of the way through the race, he thought, all right, it's time to go. And he did, and it was – it worked out perfect for him. Absolutely. And one guy that I want to talk about and give a lot of credit to is Brian Barnhill. This is a guy that, I mean, he you see him in the truck series every now and then and kind of some lower tier stuff. Runs his own late model program. He's a local down at Florence. Don't normally see this guy run up front in some of these bigger races. I think he got a win a couple weeks ago on a local race at Florence. Yep. So congrats to him on that. But, I mean, comes out in the Cars Tour race and makes a hell of a show and ran inside the top five on the outside of Carson Quapple for a lot of this race. And I was wondering how if if he would burn his stuff up and if he would end up fading a lot towards the end. But he hung in there for a top ten finish. So really great run by Bryant. So Cody Kelly coming away P9 in this race. He was your pole sitter. A surprise to me. I mean, I saw Brendan Queen go to the top, and I really thought that he would hold it with the lap time that he had, and Cody Kelly comes out of nowhere and steals a pole for this one. Another cool storyline was Jacob Hefner. He almost went down a lap uh, super early. Yeah, like in, inside the first 40 yeah. before in, the competition yellow. Right. And then maybe I think they might have been on that save program. Yeah, I mean, him and Ronnie Bassett both. I mean, I think Ronnie Bassett started – somewhere around 20th position and rode pretty hard. He was another late comer, but I mean Jacob Hefner two week or two races in a row, I should say, does this really hard straight save strategy and rides around in the back almost the entire time and and gets a really good finish out of it. Yeah, it's well done by them. Late in the race though, man, Brendan Queen and Carson Quapple going at it for the lead. This looked like a replay of the South Carolina 400 with Carson and Brendan going at it except this time Carson obviously prevails over Brendan. But, man, did they put on a show there towards the end. I I thought Brendan was definitely going to – I thought he was not going to pull away with it, but I thought he was going to win it. And then I could see where Carson could just close up the gap pretty quickly. And then, you know, it just looked like Brendan was just wheeling that thing as hard as he could. He was was in that, you know, last 10 lap mode, and and Carson was just waiting for him to either screw up or get a great opportunity. And with those cautions, he ended up getting a great opportunity. Yeah. It, it looked to me like Carson was trying to take his time and set him up. It looked like there was a couple of times where he tried to 
either put a bumper to Brendan or get inside of him and maybe Brendan slam the door. I felt like Brendan had a better shot of winning this race had the caution not come out because Brendan obviously holding up the bottom, doing everything he could not to let Carson get underneath of him. I think it probably was only going to be a matter of time before Carson moved him anyway or got underneath of him because Carson clearly had the better car, better tires. But I, I still think that that restart just killed Brendan. Yeah, it did. Um, it just, Carson was able to set, set himself up the way he wanted to. He didn't have to chase him down. He didn't have to time it perfectly. You know, he had just the restart to work it. And he kept giving him the bottom. And I was kind of like, man, I don't know if that's a good idea. Because Carson, the one time had it, I mean, cl- cleared him. And then that caution came out again pretty quickly. I was like, man, I don't know if I would give him that bottom again. Yeah, I'd. I think either way, he was probably doomed. I mean, it, yeah. it was it was just so clear that Carson had the better car, and they were just going to get the best of him probably for that for that last stint. But um, Brennan comes away second. Great way for him to keep himself in the in the title hunt. So your top five here at Florence was Carson Quapple, Brennan Queen, Ronnie Bassett Jr., Connor Jones, and Jacob Hefner. Ah, uh, Connor Jones getting in the top five. <laughs> The guy that is improving this year. He's going to win a race. Yeah. He, he might win, too. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely win some races this year for sure. So let's get into your dirt segment, man. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, we finally got some World of Outlaw Sprint Car action going. Woo! I kind of messed up last week. I forgot to mention Rico. Coming into Pennsylvania, winning at Lincoln Saturday night in the Outlaws. So no Outlaw, no posse. It was a California kid. I liked it. It was pretty cool. So this week we got... Buddy Kofoid, in only his 31st start, gets a second World of Outlaw win. That kid looks amazing in a sprint car. He's a big midget guy. Everybody is all happy about mid- Nah, put him in a sprint car. Let's see what he can do. And he did. The Outlaws are just tough. These guys race, you know, when they get in the swing of things, they're racing three, four times a week. So, you know, I know Buddy's been, you know, he drives everything, anywhere he can. But to, to, get, into the, to get into this group of guys and, and go win, that's pretty special. So, yeah, he won that at the Talladega Sprint Car Showdown at Talladega Short Track Friday. Brad Sweet went and won the Black Ice Brawl Saturday night at Magnolia Motor Speedway. And he just looked super good and in Brad Sweet fashion. Just, here he goes. This is one, and he's probably going to have 14 more. We also had the Power Eye Midget Series back in action at Port City Raceway for the Turnpike Challenge Classic. Uh, Dason Persley won over Jace Park on a last corner pass. What a what an awesome race. Uh, Zach Dahm brought it home third. Dason Persley with a new team this year. Just a great comeback story for him the last few years. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got for dirt this week. Well, let's get into some ARCA stuff, man. We got William Sawalich in the ARCA series. He goes and gets the pole and dominates the entire race and comes away with his first career ARCA series win. Yeah, he led every lap. The kid's amazing. I watched him last year just dominate every race he pretty much was in in late models i think it was that well, in the pro gets the opportunity with joe gibbs this year to go win a lot of races and yeah he got the pole like you said let every lap and won it i mean it's, it's just unreal he just he's that good we're gonna see a lot more out of him this year in the joe gibbs car i mean obviously that's great equipment yeah it's kind of the same pass sammy smith took and i mean a lot of people but yeah, Williams showed so much promise last year and what he was doing at a, such a young age, you know, right up that pipeline. So, look out. Here he comes. We also had the top three series go to Austin this weekend to go to Coda. 
Circuit of America is such a fun road course, just very long, grueling. I saw Kyle Busch have blisters on his hands after the truck race. I mean, that that's a lot. What, what did Larry Mack say? He had seventeen hundred shifts. Yeah, in... well, in the in the Cup car. Gotcha. So that's, I mean, that's a lot. And I can only imagine what you know those Xfinity and truck guys are doing with the H pattern shifter. That's hard. That's rough. Yeah. Even William Byron said after the Xfinity race that he had to get used to rev matching and everything with the H pattern again. He was he he'd been so used to the Cup car that it's. I almost wonder if it's a little bit foreign, kind of going back to it. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. We had uh, Ross Chastain and Kyle Busch in the truck race. They looked like they were just going to dominate the whole thing. And then late in the race, everything got jumbled around, and uh, they had some issues. And Zane Smith, who was up in the top five all day, ends up winning the damn thing for a second year in a row. I can't believe Front Row Motorsports is undefeated at Coda in the truck series. That's impressive. Yeah, that they have a good team. Obviously, Zane winning the championship last year. Just Man, they're just so good. And that, that program... Even in the cups now, even in cup, you know they're 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 making headway. Yeah, they're making headway, and they're they're one of those top top teams, top not Hendrick Motorsports teams or you know Joe Gibbs Racing teams. They're they're good for top fifteens now. They're not looking for top twenty fives. That yeah. is that's a fail for them. They want top fifteens. Absolutely. I mean, Michael McDowell is obviously making headway over there, and he's he's been over there for a long time, and he's producing good finishes for that team. Yeah, but Zane Smith, like I said, won the race. He was. There all day, just needed, you know, I think he probably had the speed to get to Kyle and to Ross, but, I mean, it just just got laid in his lap pretty much. But he was still fast. I don't want to say it was given to him, but he did a pretty good job. And burns it down to the point where he, oh, he lights his truck on yeah, fire, dude. The, the flaps caught on fire. <laughs> they, that was that was, that was was wild. He, I, I saw that. And then did you see the guy with the fire extinguisher? Just You know, it's not like there's a whole damn fuel cell sitting there. He just, nah. I'll get to it after lunch. That's what he looked like. It was ridiculous. Put a new emphasis on burning it down. Yeah, definitely burnt that one down. Another person I want to talk about in that race, though, who's had such a great start to the season, Christian Eckes, man. He looked good early until he had an issue. Man, he just, I thought he, as soon as I started watching a race, I'm like, yep, here we go. Christian Eckes is going to get one. Get another one. And, uh, man, he just looked so strong. Uh, Has a great start to the season. I'm really excited to see what's, you know what's left in the tank for him for the rest of the year. I'm pretty sure come Phoenix in November he's going to be one of those final four. Absolutely. Got a late model guy, man. Caden Honeycutt with a top 15 on a road course at Coda. Yeah, in that Roper car, he in that Roper truck, I should say. He was um yeah, just stayed out of trouble all day. I know Haley Deegan ended up taking him out midway through the race. He gave her about 16 lanes on the inside and she somehow still found his bumper. So that was pretty impressive. Um that that could be a clear with contact, uh, could, a clear, a clear yeah. with contact award front runner. It, it, he's up there, <laughs> but I think we have somebody else taking it. But um, yeah, we also had Jake Garcia and Colin Garrett in the race, top twenties for the both of them. They're, they're kind of late model guys, come from that you know that era of racing. Um, also had your boy Nick Sanchez up front, qualified pretty decent, and then ran top ten all day. Yeah, man, great run for him and Colin Garrett. He's made his way over to the road racing side. I'm actually going to get to see him this weekend out in California and hang out with him. Always a good time hanging out with Colin. Oh, yeah. He's a he's a lot of fun to pick on and and be around. But uh, yeah, great run for some of those late model guys in the trucks, man. Yeah, it's really cool to see them coming up. Uh, I know we talked about Caden and and Lane Riggs last week. 
so glad Caden's getting the opportunity with you know the Roper team to to come in and really show what he can do. In a late model, he end of the year we talked about this in the first few episodes. He dominated, and then got into a thirtieth place truck last year, halfway through the season, and top fifteens, top twenties. That's that's impressive. He makes a thirtieth place car ten, jump ten positions. That's pretty impressive. So I'm expi- excited to see what comes out of this for him. I hope it's I hope it's opportunity, man. Another great race was the Xfinity race. We had A.J. Allmendinger and William Byron going head-to-head at the end of the race. Those two dudes just ran their asses off at the end of the race. Uh, just completely walked away from the rest of the field. Yeah, I felt bad for Sheldon Creed. He was up front all day. He put himself in a great position to win the race, really. And him and A.J. were running pretty hard. And I know he thought that A.J. got into him. I feel like he gave him plenty of room. I think A.J., I don't know if he cooked the corner or what, but it wasn't it, it wasn't blatantly, you know, taking somebody out. It's it's Coda. You have tight hairpin corners, more than hairpin. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how tight they are, but that's what makes good racing, and, and it just Sheldon was on the bad end of that deal. But A.J. Almanera comes away with the win. Is that surprising to anybody? No, absolutely not. You got your ringer in there, man, and, and, and then you got William Byron in the – qualifying on the pole in the cup race and also coming in with a Hendrick Motorsports entry no surprise that he's going to be up front either yeah I watched him last year at uh, Watkins Glen yeah spotted that race and not for him but I got to see him get in that same car and they're just just as dominant yeah as they are in the cup series so no surprise there well getting into the cup stuff man we had Tyler Reddick come away with a win today Reddick survives all these late-race restarts, green-white checkers, and comes away with a win. His first win with 23XI. Yeah, he was dominant. You know, and then William last, you know, same thing as the Xfinity race. He's he's shown that he is a road course guy. I think working with, you know, Max Pappas and those guys are just, it just helps him out. You know, he didn't get the finish that he wanted at the end, but he was really the class of the field all day. It was like those two were so similar. Um, but Kyle Busch sneaks away with a P2, and, and Bowman gets P3. So Hendrick is still there, you know what I mean? They're Everywhere they go, they're showing up. But, um, yeah, Reddick was just that. He was just so good all day. One, lone Toyota in the top five. And I'm, the high, I mean, beat out all the Joe Gibbs cars. I mean, the highest finish in Joe Gibbs' car was Ty Gibbs in ninth. Yeah, and I think that was your only Toyota there for, you know, in the top ten. I think, I think may, maybe Hamlin was the next one. But he was worse than 15th, I think. So not a great showing for Toyota, but on the other end, Tyler Reddick was completely dominant. One thing I did want to mention, we got Nick Payne on the spotter stand for Tyler Reddick this year. That's Nick's first win as primary cup spotter. So congratulations to him. That's pretty cool. Worked around him a lot, bought in cars tour, stuff like that. Uh, He worked with Taylor Gray the last few years. Finally gets a great opportunity with Tyler Reddick, and they come away with the win. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Congrats to him. Uh, he's a cool dude. Fun to be around. But cool to see him come away with his his first win as a cup spotter. Our Clear With Contact Award <laughs> goes to Bubba Wallace. Gotta this go week. to Bubba Wallace. Yeah, cleaned out Kyle Larson. Yeah, I don't know whether he just cooked it in there too hard or something broke before he got there. But either way, he cleared himself. But, you know, there's that long backstretch. And I don't, I think he thought it went another 100 feet because he just kept going until he Larson stopped him you know so did he did something actually break and he missed the corner or did that, you know, I don't know 
I don't know. I, I'm. I hope, always... I hope so. <laughs> because if not... Hey, look, man. We've seen Kyle Larson even make a terrible mistake oh, yeah. at, Indy. Uh, at Indy. Yeah. I mean, just totally blow the corner and gas yeah. up trying to get past Ty Dillon last year and completely obliterate him. I mean, things happen. Yeah, it, I totally get it. It's road course racing. It's it's Coda. Like we said earlier, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. That track is so hard. I don't know. I really hope something broke. I do, too. And <laughs> if something did happen where he just totally missed the corner, it is what it is. Just own up to it, kind of like Larson did, and just say, hey, I, I made a mistake. And he did. He did in that post-race interview. Yeah, and I, I hate that he bashes himself so bad. I mean, like, I don't don't sit there and tell the media that <laughs> they should fire you because, I mean, I don't know. that. I feel like these guys, they, they get enough criticism to where, and that's anybody, not just Bubba, everybody in the Cup Series. You know, if they make a mistake, they get enough criticism. So, to criticize yourself and to say stuff like that, I mean, just, man, don't put yourself down like that. You know, Bubba's always been transparent, and I like that. But at the same time, just, man, you don't you don't have to do that to yourself. Everybody knows you can drive this car. You, you've you proven it time and time again. You don't, you don't have to do that to yourself. Yeah, and look, I know Bubba gets a lot of shade, but you're right. He, he is proven that he can go up and earn wins. Like, if you want to say that the one race was given to him – through rain whatever but there was another race where he went up and drove to the victory took the lead under green and drove away yeah i mean dudes obviously deserves to be there as far as his talent but don't (laughs) i understand admitting fault but i hate to see him bash himself like that as far as saying that he needs to be fired man that it is what it is it just just accept it and move on yeah he's he's with the team that can provide everything he needs you know what I mean so when he makes mistakes that team's not going to look at him any different they're 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 going to prepare the car next week the same exact way and they're going to go out knowing they can win the race so there's no reason to bring bad light on yourself no and the cup mentality it's just got to be just put it behind you and move forward to the next race just just get ready for Richmond man yep absolutely uh, one thing we did see after the race was two teammates, uh, Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain, having a little bit of a uh, – it, it wasn't friendly. I don't think no. it was friendly. No, and two guys that weren't really willing to wait for the competition meeting on Monday to talk about it either. They went up and looked like they had a pretty heated discussion over something that happened. Yeah, and they both were had those sarcastic looks like they didn't respect what the other one was saying. So I'm sure uh, – Man, there's just some meetings you would just love to be a part of, and that would be one of them. I want to be a fly on the wall in some of these meetings on Monday. But everybody was racing pretty hard there at the end. I think I'm pretty sure that's what that stemmed from. I know Suarez got turned, but he ran up inside the top ten all day. He looked really, really decent. But back to Chevy dominance. You had four finish in the top five. That's super impressive. Oh, and ten of them started in the top 13 this past weekend. Do you think that that has anything to do with the garage 56 car because that obviously is a Chevy and you got Hendrick guys and a whole bunch of Chevy people doing a whole lot of testing on pretty much the exact same car as the cup car currently I mean there's no way they're not learning anything from this garage 56 car that applies over to the cup car that they can use for their race weekends yeah they're definitely learning stuff I think Um, I don't know how much it 
is is similar, but I know that there's a lot of things, probably nuances of that car that they're using, especially when you have guys like Jordan Taylor in the building. You know, I know he's filling in for Chase. He filled in for Chase this past weekend, ran pretty decent. He wasn't he wasn't the best guy out there, but I mean he he was learning this car the the cup style of it. You know, when you have guys like that in the building, I think that definitely builds your notebook. Yeah, for sure. I think the more impressive thing out of Jordan Taylor this past weekend was the top four starting position. I was shocked at that. I mean, look, I know this guy's got laps in the Garage 56 car, and I'm sure he's turned plenty of sim laps and everything. But still, to to be able to pick up and do that in your first start, that just shows the talent that this guy's got on the road courses. Yeah, it does. And then you have Chase Elliott. You know, Jordan Taylor doesn't need help, but Chase Elliott is definitely a road course ringer now. I feel like, you know, those two have been talking just to lead up to this race. That's been helpful. I know it has for Jordan Taylor. For sure. And going back to the Garage 56 car, I've recently followed the Instagram page, and they talked about how much they've lightened this car up and done some different things aero-wise. Man, does that thing look sporty on the road course. It looks like it's it's got a ton of grip. It it reminds me of watching an actual sports car go around the racetrack. Yeah, I can't wait to watch Le Mans. I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think it will be too. And, you know, just this is going to be a cool thing to see over there. It's like, going to be an experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, a cup car over there is going to be awesome to see. And... um I, I'm I'm excited to see what that thing can do. It it looks like you can just tell when it goes around the racetrack, like in some of the Instagram videos and stuff, that it's lightened up. It's it's cornering way better than this Cup car is. Just and I'm sure that has a lot to do with the weight. Oh, it's definitely a weight. Yeah, for sure. So, well, you got Sonoma this week. You have fun out there. I think. I might go up to Bridgeport Speedway and watch Steven Snyder put that 360 on the ground. Hopefully he runs that thing pretty cool, uh, pretty good. I, I'm, I'm excited to watch him in that car. If I don't get up there, I'll definitely be watching it on flow. Very nice, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go out there. Again, we got Tyler Gonzalez and Tyler Maxson in the Super this weekend. How do they the, keep up with all these Tylers? Oh, uh, dude, I don't know. I, they say Tyler and three of us turn around. Yeah. <laughs> so, um excited to go out there and uh and work with those guys again got a lot of testing first weekend for the gr cup cars their debut weekend so uh, that series is going to be kind of the equivalent to the mazda mx5 cup series mazda mx5 cup series is a very competitive series if no one's ever watched it before um knows the tail racing the entire time exciting finishes so it'll be cool to see what the gr cup cars can do uh, I, I have noticed that they have a little bit more flexibility in the setup and stuff than what the Mazdas do. Should be a should be a good weekend, good debut for those cars at Sonoma. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. I'll, I'll tune in for sure. Uh, we also have Richmond coming up on Sunday, so another short track. Yeah, let's see how this short track package works. Out. Oh man, I, I know NASCAR is probably just they they got sweaty palms. They have sweaty palms coming in this race, just hoping that this proves that the changes they made are at least heading in the right direction yeah and i think you'll see the short track package kind of show its head a little bit more on this or at at richmond versus a place like phoenix yeah i think so too it's it's a traditional short track three quarter mile 
you know, it's going to be fun to watch. I think I just hope that NASCAR has pointed, you know, we did talk about this before, but coming up into the week of Richmond, I hope this is a track that has struggled. I just hope that this is the right direction. They're heading in that right direction. I don't think it's going to be fixed completely, but as long as we're doing, making strides and heading that direction of having better racing on these short tracks, I'm good with it. Yeah, for sure. And I kind of, I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but one thing that I liked that I heard Kevin Harvick say was that they talked about basically like doing surprise packages. Like he, he thought it would be a good thing for the sport to have surprise packages like showing up to racetracks. I know that would throw the teams for a huge curveball, but I think that you wouldn't see teams get so far ahead on like one particular package and then wait for the next package to come out to have to relearn it again and kind of even the field up. I think if it would be wild to see all these teams kind of scramble and have to dial their car in in one weekend to whatever package NASCAR told them they were running. Yeah, I don't know um, anybody in that infield that probably wouldn't be fun for, but oh, I can no. I can tell you right now, me in the stands with a beer in my hand, I, I'm I'm for it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it would frustrate a lot of the crew chiefs and engineers not knowing what they're showing up with. Yeah, lap 225, take spoiler off. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I don't think we can go that far, but it... Oh, you know what? We, we get enough people behind it. We can do it. <laughs> Possibly, man. Well, that's all for our show. We appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Again, hit that follow button on Spotify or any of the podcast platforms you may be listening on. Please go to our social media pages and follow us there so you see all of our new content come out. And again, if you follow us on any of the podcast platforms, you'll see the new content come out yeah. when you when you log into your Spotify. or Yeah, that's what it's for, Tyler. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, But no, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Please like and share everything you guys see because that, that helps us so much get new listeners. Over the past few weeks, we didn't say it in the beginning. I want to say it now. Thank you guys so much for doing everything you're doing for us we have over a hundred new listeners just in the three episodes we've done we did not expect that no i it's uh it's cool to see all that keep growing and uh you're right we do appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and sharing so thank you guys again and uh have a great week see you guys thanks for listening to the clear with contact podcast make sure you follow us on facebook twitter and instagram just search clear with contact Feel free to share and tell your friends. Until next time.